Welcome to another episode of the Well-Told Story Insights Podcast. I'm producer Steph. Well-Told Story creates social and economic value in Africa, harnessing the power of research, media, and strategic communications. You'll find all of our previous podcast episodes, along with blog posts, research, videos, and more on our website, welltoldstory.com. In today's episode, Nabila is joined by three special guests. Do stay tuned. Welcome to Well Told Stories Insights Podcast. I'm Nabila Alibai, Senior Associate with Wellmade Strategy here in the Well Told Story recording studio in Nairobi, Kenya. With me today, our founder and CEO of Well Told Story, Rob Burnett, Managing Director, Bridget Deacon, and Paul Gitonga, Research Assistant at Well Told Story. Today, we're going to talk about some of the inner workings of how Well Told Story uses media production to create real social change in a way that's constantly iterative, responsive to data and feedback, and motivating for its staff. So you've got two Emmy Awards, Rob. It's clear that the company produces quality content, and we know that it has a strong social change strategy. But how does Well Told Story internally maintain curiosity and creativity? I know that last year, you said that the organization had started implementing a new organizational change philosophy based on the book that you'd read, The Four Disciplines of Execution by Chris McChesney, Sean Covey, and Jim Hulling. Tell us a little bit about why you wanted to bring these principles to the organization. Sure, thank you. Um, As time has passed, and as we've become more professional and more thoughtful, uh, we've really started to think very deeply about what the components are of the story that we tell and what are the components of our organization that are more and less effective and how indeed can we be confident that the the stories that we tell lead to outcomes lead to the social benefits that we intend and and that inquiry has really improved the way we think uh, it's improved our our operations it's improved our business and it's certainly improved our our, our effectiveness so The first thing we focused on as we started to think about data and numbers was the impact of our storytelling. And over the last two or three years, we've seen an enormous change in the way we we work, the way we design our campaigns, the way we use data to inform the decisions that we take. But up until last year, we hadn't applied that to the way we operate as an organization. And I think that uh, the, the great thing that's happened over the last 18 months or so has been the application of data in the design of our operations and the drawing of, um, of data-driven analysis into the way we actually manage our teams and pursue our goals internally through our ops. Mm-hmm. So a lot of organizations think about this in terms of evidence-based decision-making. Um, how do you trans- that, translate that into behavioral change of your employees? How do they get excited about numbers? So we've worked very closely uh, for the last several years with Microsoft. They're a really great partner to us, and, uh, and they're helping us think about technology in lots of different, the lots of different ways that applies to our work. Um, but uh, perhaps 18 months ago now, we had a visit from one of their... Uh, corporate vice presidents, I think he's called, called uh, T.K. Rangarajan, mm. known as Ranga for short. Uh, and and afterwards, he said something really, I thought, really important. He said, he asked me, what, what does what does digitizing your business mean? 
And I think at the time, that was the topic we were discussing, so the digitization. And I think I fell immediately into a hole, into a trap that he had mm -hmm. probably knowingly laid for me, which was I defined digitizing as us taking the media that we make online. Mm -hmm. But I think what he quickly made me realize was that actually the real power of digitizing is using digital evidence to make decisions. So the first step in the journey that we're talking about today was that one, mm -hmm. was hearing from Ranga and letting him helpfully redefine digitizing. It's not about websites. I mean, it can be about that. But more than anything, it's about using the data trails that all of our work leaves behind to make smart decisions. And I think later that same year, um, we came across the book that you mentioned in your opening remarks, uh, this book 4DX, The Four Disciplines of Execution, which really provided us with a blueprint to apply some of the thinking that Ranga had introduced and to give us a methodology by which we could start to unpack our day-to-day -day activities with the benefit of the data that we are generating and use that data firstly to become more efficient but also to drive our teams, all of us, towards mm -hmm. very clear goals. <laughs> goals that we can see coming because we've got lead indicators. We've got data right now, today, which allow us to check our progress rather than what we were doing before, which was waiting till the end of the year to do an annual survey to reflect back what went well, what didn't go so good. Let's do it differently next year. We moved from that mode to the situation we're in today, where almost on a daily basis and definitely on a weekly basis, we're checking what we call the scoreboard, yep. saying, how are we doing? Are things heading in the right direction? Do we need to change in order to do better? Is something going astray that we should rectify? And we found that a weekly check-in, the one we had this morning, our Tuesday morning meeting, we call it, when we look at the scoreboard, has made an enormous impact on the focus and the efficiency and the effectiveness of almost everything that we do. Hmm. Um, so you read the book and then you had to implement it within the organization. So what did that look like? Well, it wasn't the first time that Rob had been away to a conference or had some exciting conversation with someone and come back and suggested a new way of doing things. Um, but I think it was the first time that I read a book and saw that it really made sense for us as an organization and the direction that we were going in. And it probably took quite a few reads. And my book is full of highlighters and page turns about, you know, the, the, the exciting, and interesting different ideas. And I think for me, what was most exciting was that it was really the first time that Rob and I had to sit down and think, what what is important for us as an organization? What direction do we want to go in? And, and what is success for us mm -hmm. moving forward? And I think previously in the years that we've been working together, um, we were sometimes prone to kind of switching direction mid-year or a new thing came up and we thought, oh, this is what we're going to chase. But what the four disciplines of execution uh, ask us to do is to set our wildly important goals for the year and that then we share these with the organization and that we implement a process that ensures that we are striving and working and putting all of our energy towards mm -hmm. these goals. Um, how, is it, how easy is it to, f to hone in on a wildly important goal? 
Well, as Rob was saying, that we had a huge amount of data already around uh, where we were making an impact, what we wanted for our audience, what we uh, the different goals that we had with our, mm. our uh, collaborative partners, and so it was really being like, looking back on that and saying, what is uh, where are we having an impact? Uh, which of these particular directions that we've been in in the past uh, are going to help us achieve our our overall objective? And at that time, we'd sort of I think began to sit down and say that um, we had this sort of wildly audacious goal of trying to reach 20 million people by 2020. And so we were able to sort of reflect and say, well, what were the what were the sort of uh, different uh, goals that we've been pursuing previously, mm-hmm. which were going to help us achieve that? And it definitely took some time and we chewed it over with various sort of heads of department and the team. And ultimately, we then sort of came down to sort of three or four goals, which we said, right, we're going to commit to these and hardwire them into our operations. And I think once we'd got there, uh, got there, and we'd sort of taken the deep breath and locked it off, implementing the processes that for the, the four disciplines um, actually became was was quite straightforward. Mm-hmm. So, and those four goals are they applied to the entire organization, or does each department have their own wildly important goals? It's a good question. It's, they are they are our organisational goals, and they apply to absolutely every department. Um, and I think that's one of the big impacts that we've seen as a result of having goals for the organization is that it created enormous really great alignment across the departments so previously we sort of had goals for each department so perhaps the comic team were very focused on making sure that we get Mm -hmm. x amount of comics out on time and the radio team would have some other thing that they were pursuing and the knowledge and learning team the same but when we got everyone together behind shared goals, it really encouraged collaboration, many more meetings together to think, well, how do we, how are we going to achieve these as an organisation? I think that's been one of the really exciting mm-hmm. kind of impacts of, of implementing this. But I think that uh, a lot of work went into defining those goals at the beginning because they had to resonate for everybody. Yeah. They couldn't just be focused, well, only the radio team need to worry about that one. We wanted goals that everybody could could locate their work in. There's a very nice uh, story in the um, in the book about um, the man who is working at Cape Canaveral, where they launch the moon rockets, mm-hmm. and uh, the guys found sweeping leaves from underneath the launch pad. And when somebody comes to him and says, "What are you doing?" he says, "Oh, I'm uh, helping to put a man on the moon," because he could locate his work in the in the context of the goal goal. and he felt his importance Mm -hmm. to the project and I think that that's the you know that's a lovely example of the kind of spirit that we're trying to create which is a sense that everybody can locate their work in the goal and the goal itself has a has a purposeful mission behind it which is going to which which supports our ambitions for the organization Mm -hmm. to create value for our audience yeah so Paul um, when the senior management kind of came to the team, the rest of the team with this new strategy, uh, what did it feel like? Was it inspiring? Were you afraid? Uh, It was exciting because we had that target for the year and then because Rob had asked us to be following up on the target, we decided that it was going to be a weekly thing. So the target was broken up in terms of now from an annual target, a yearly target, into now week-sized targets. So now you're reporting with a scoreboard on a weekly basis. Yes, we look at the numbers on a weekly basis and then present on Tuesday. And mm-hmm. what this is important, why this is important is because 
we can get to actually see what's changing and then look within ourselves and ask ourselves what is causing this mm-hmm. change. Why do we have a sudden uptick? Why are the numbers so low? On a, on a weekly basis, we get to routinely follow up and then we can remedy this action. We can remedy to find out the solutions and act upon those solutions that we come up with in a timely manner. So essentially those weekly meetings then like keep you aligned with your targets yes because create some level of accountability yes because uh, previously how we were doing it last year mm-hmm. is normally we will present these targets on a monthly basis and then delve more deeper into them on a quarterly basis when we had our quarterly reviews now this when 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 you decide something at the quarterly review before it is actually acted upon it will take even two months so we, we are not we were not in a position to actually implement what we had seen and what we had come up with. So by breaking it down into looking at it weekly and involving the whole team during the mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday morning meetings, we are actually seeing results where we can see, oh, we did this last week, but we saw it was not working and we changed into this format. I think this is a key thing in the, in the, in the concept, is this idea about getting your indicators of success as close to you as possible. Mm-hmm. So the, another, another example in the, in the book is about how um, if you're on a diet, stepping onto the scales is already a, what they would call a lag indicator because you're looking to see what your weight is, but it's too late to do anything about it. It's your, you're looking backwards now. Mm-hmm. Whereas waking in the morning, as it were, and planning what you're going to eat today and what your exercise routine is going to look like. And maybe you might even get to the point of counting how many calories you're going to consume. Those are your lead indicators. So in real time, you could be tracking your calorie uh, consumption and your exercise, and you can play with that every day if you want to before you step onto the scales at the Mm -hmm. end of the week and look at the lag indicator. And I think so So what Paul is describing is that shift from being a, a lag indicator model to being a lead indicator model. And once you've got your lead indicators, then you have something to explore. because And and now our teams can break up into groups and say, well, our thing could be better if we tried that. Or how come we don't seem to be getting the effect that we hoped with with that approach? Let's try a different one. Mm -hmm. And I think that has sort of flipped our process around from looking backwards to looking forwards. And it's made us much more nimble. And I think one, uh, just to pick up on Paul talking about the, the, the weekly and the monthly reviews, was in order for us to be able to sustain this for an entire year, we needed to make sure that these different uh, meetings, these getting-togethers, the reviewing of the data was sort of hardwired into our into our processes and how we worked sort of across departments. So we have these weekly meetings and then uh, where we're looking at sort of immediate uh, impact uh, of the different tactics that the different departments will have committed to the week before. Mm-hmm. And then saying, right, so we tried this, it, that worked, let's keep doing that, but that one didn't work, so maybe we need to understand better why. And then everyone comes together uh, at the end of the month and looks at the slightly bigger picture and looks goes into a little bit more detail about the learnings. Well, why why did that post that we posted at 4 p.m. on a Tuesday have less of an impact than a very similar post that was posted at 9 p.m. on a Saturday? And start to really create a, a sort of a, a picture and an understanding of 
which tactics work best in terms of engaging our audience on social media, for example. And then quarterly, everyone goes off-site and we have a one-day uh, meeting on each campaign with all of, the, all of the different departments. And in those reviews, we're bringing in external data as well as our internal uh, lead measures, as, as Rob was saying, where we'll be looking at, uh, perhaps we'd run an SMS survey with our audience to understand what has the impact on the campaign been on them. We're looking at feedback from the panel of professionals that we run, perhaps information from our risk monitor, um, and then start to look at a bigger picture and say, right, for the next quarter, based on what we can see, do we need to change our strategy? Or is our strategy working and we continue, but we want to put an emphasis on this certain area? Maybe we aren't seeing as much traction with younger rural girls. Perhaps we need to think about how do we bring them into the conversation, set some more targets mm -hmm. for the next quarter, and then the cycle continues all the way up until the end of the year when we finally able to say, we get on the scales and see, well, have we lost weight? You know, we get on the scales and say, right, have we hit those those wildly important goals that, that we set at the beginning of the year? Fantastic. So, and I understand you, um, well, you had a Tuesday morning meeting today, right? Yes. So you presented a scoreboard today? Yes. So, uh, yes, we, we had a Tuesday morning meeting today and we presented the numbers for the for that week that we were focusing on. Give me a and highlight. So the highlight today we were focusing on a widely important goal which we had which we called which we are calling to getting more fans. So here we want to get more fans on our digital platforms and here I'm talking about social media and those who are SMSing us. So last year we had about nine hundred thousand at the end of last year we had nine hundred thousand fans on both platforms, social media and SMS. So as we sat down and looked at the data from our annual survey, we decided that we want to get at least 50% of our fans to be on both platforms. So we came up, we came at a figure of 50% will bring us 1.9 million fans that we needed to have on both platforms. So we needed to add a million fans before the end of 2018. So we started well and the good news is that by September, we had almost hit 1.9 million. So we were at slightly above 1.8 million. So, Fantastic. Yes. We challenged ourselves and said, with the remaining time, we have a full quarter yet to go. Why don't we challenge ourselves and raise that figure? Not 1.9, but to at least 2.2 million. And we, we have seen that it can be done because within that short period of time, for the first quarter of 2018, we managed to add 0 0.5 million fans onto our platform. So it's something that can be done and it is mm -hmm. through constantly looking at these targets on a weekly basis, we can see the progress. It's not just a number we set and then at the end of the year we look back and we're like, oh, did we hit that number? Mm -hmm. It's something that we are constantly checking on and looking on ways on how we can improve that. So the listeners can't see this, but Paul has a big smile on his face while he's telling this story. So this is, is clearly something that you're you're proud of. Um, I'm curious to know uh, what other kind of like changes you see in this staff uh, as a result of the introduction of this new discipline. Uh, so the biggest change that I can see is, as Rob was alluding to, everyone within the organization at least gets to know what we are doing. You, you won't just hear of a term and know uh, that term it just comes from the production side or it comes from the knowledge and learning team. So by having these Tuesday morning meetings where we present the scoreboards, we get to also inform the whole team 
and they can we, in, we it becomes an interactive session where they can also participate and get to know the overall goals of the organization and what we are doing so if, from an informing point of view we are informing the whole organization we are we are actually seeking participation from them through group activities and they are giving us uh, outside the box ideas that maybe us internally as people that constantly engage with this media comic radio we normally don't churn these out of the box ideas so we can we can see that benefit of having great ideas from out from the team I think exactly what Paul is saying. I think we read the book and we thought about how to implement it. We knew that this would have a big impact on our processes and how we did things. But I didn't anticipate just what a big impact it would have on our culture. Um, and I think like Paul is saying, I think the clarity that the setting the goals has given to the team has been very empowering. I think they feel sort of quite safe and they're right. I know what success looks like. I know what's expected as, of me. It sort of filters into my KPI form. And this sort of clarity is, is very empowering. But it's also developed, I think, a culture of, of ownership and accountability. Like I know what I can do. What can I do as an individual to contribute towards these goals? I think I'd already mentioned the collaboration, looking at you know, how having shared goals have improved the sort of the relationship between different departments. Um, there's now a real culture of execution that we get on and we do. And mm-hmm. I think we've been uh, learning that sort of failure is not failure, but it's learning. And I think that's been a big shift in us as an organisation, that there's sort of fear of failure to try and say no. But now we know that putting a Facebook post up at 4pm on a Tuesday doesn't necessarily have as great an impact. So let's stop doing that. Why waste mm-hmm. more energy having the social media team you know, posting at that time? Um, and also, I think uh, we've sort of really introduced uh, a culture of, of, of celebrating our successes because when we didn't have really clear targets we never really knew well you know we'll just keep on going keep on going churning out the media you know keep keeping our fingers crossed that you know at the end of the year we'd hit our uh, indicators and I think so when Paul referenced earlier that we've just moved sort of increased our our goal, our target for the end of the year, we made a very clear promise to the team this morning that when we hit the 1.9, we will celebrate still. Mm. Um, and we've celebrated, I think, two but or But when times. we hit the 2.2, <laughs> then there's a party. Well, yeah. Rob actually promised everyone goat. Sounds so, like, uh, yeah, they deserve a party. <laughs> I think that, I think celebrating success has been, it's been a really important uh, learning for us, I think, particularly for me and Rob, that it's important to stop and kind of say, hey, you know, we've achieved something and it's sort of, it creates a break because we've, mm-hmm. we've been doing this for eight years, you know, more than eight years now. And I think for the first five or six, we didn't ever really stop and kind of say, wow, this is working or, you know, and, and I think that, that that's been very empowering. And we've, we've seen the team really get behind that. Well, I mean, it, it does sound like it's a very kind of healthy way of working and that every week it gives you the opportunity to rejig and to correct and and to celebrate. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add to close us off? So, um Paul mentioned that one of our wicks is getting our audience onto two platforms. So that means that we want people who engage with Shijaz on a, in our comic book or the radio, but also on a social media platform. And the reason we know that's important is because we're also running a big lag study, so a, an annual study uh, in collaboration with Tulane University in New Orleans. And, and their data from their longitudinal panel that they're running clearly shows us that a young person in our audience, their life starts to change for the better when they connect with us on an analog medium. And we're able to see that exposure, for example, to the comic book over not even a very long period, just a few months, starts to affect their norms, the way they perceive normality. But when they join a social media platform of ours, that's a trigger 
for an extreme acceleration of behavior change. So actually, there's an enormous strategic reason, therefore, for us as we pursue positive behavior change at scale across Kenya and Tanzania. This notion about becoming a two-platform audience member, we know from our data that that's what triggers accelerated Mm -hmm. benefit. So looping back to our conversation with Ranga from Microsoft, challenging us to become a digital business, I think we can really see that circle complete. We started to understand better what are the triggers for success We isolated one of those triggers and we made it a goal of the organization in which almost every staff member has a role to play. We broke it down from an annual goal into weekly targets and tracking those targets enables us to to know what's the best approach and the best means to drive the numbers. Confident that if we've got people on two platforms, more and more and more young Kenyans and Tanzanians in our audience will enjoy the benefits that we are attempting to spread. So I think we've got a a lovely circle there Mm -hmm. that makes complete sense strategically from the business point of view, from the audience point of view, and from our partners who are obviously challenging us to make the resources that they entrust to us work as hard as possible. If I can also add, I was invited to Johannesburg by Omidyar Network who are one of our partners, they really help us to think about work in the governance space. And actually, it was them that exposed us to the book, The Four Disciplines of Execution. So actually, a, a call out to Omidyar, <laughs> because uh, had it not been yeah. for them, we wouldn't have, uh, the book wouldn't have connected with the story from before, and we wouldn't be having this conversation. And we wouldn't be gloating <laughs> about the success we've enjoyed well, since we adopted this. So do you think this new way of working will stick? Do you have the buy-in from the staff that you need? Do you think that this is a long-term behavioral change or something that people get tired of? Well, as you said earlier, Nabila, we we first trialed this in early 2017. So we're you know coming up to two years now. And I think right at the beginning, there was curiosity, but perhaps people were a little wary, thinking, you know, is this just a new idea and we'll give it a go for you know a few months and then something else will come along to replace it. So certainly there was, uh, we needed to get the trust of the team that, that, that we were really behind it as an organisation. And I think something that, that's sort of, you know, interesting to note when, when we first um, uh, implemented these quarterly reviews and plans, so we sort of reviewed what we'd done in the previous quarter and then made a decision what would we do in the next um the team said right i think you know we'll i think two hours should be sufficient and i'd sort of suggested maybe it was a half a day activity but you no know, two hours max and so the team themselves run them and they plan them and they get the data together for for, for, for for the sessions and then they set their own targets for next quarter and it was after about two or three iterations of these quarterly review and plans that um a request came and to me and sort of said um actually look i think we need to go off-site because we need a whole day for each uh, quarterly review and plan. And so it was, that was a really great sign and it gave me enormous confidence that actually this had been, that the, the buy-in was there. Mm-hmm. People saw the, the value in these sessions. And I, yeah, I, I, I don't see it ending anytime soon. Great. Rob, Bridget, Paul, thank you so much for joining me today. I really love talking to Well Told Story. It's very clear you're in the business of social change and it's such an insight to be able to see how you apply the same type of discipline internally within the organization. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Nabila. You've been listening to the Well Told Story Insights Podcast. I'd like to remind you that you can find all of our previous podcast episodes, along with blog posts, research, videos, and more on our website, welltoldstory.com. You can send feedback to our presenter, Nabila Alibai, on Twitter. 
Until next time, from me, producer Steph, thank you for listening to the Well Told Story Insights Podcast. Podcast.